right? Like we're used to hearing messages on like 17 ways to fulfill all of your wildest dreams, right? Like 16 steps to to getting your blessing from God, positioning yourself with these six things so that God will do what it is that you want him to do. That's kind of what we're used to hearing. It's, It's sort of counterintuitive to be told, what do you do when God says no? Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. When God comes and speaks, it's usually because we want to go this way, and he goes, no, 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 I need you to go that way. When God says yes to one thing, he is fundamentally saying no to everything else. So we ought not to be all all that surprised or, or caught off guard when God directs us and guides us and leads us. When God called me, come on, to pastor this church, he called me to pastor this church, not any other church. This is Sozo Church. This is uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. It says, Now when the king, that's talking about David, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Verse four, but that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for for my dwelling. In all the places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, I want you to catch this please, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I, I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own places and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares that you to, to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lay down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall, he, he shall build me, come on, a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will not, or I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul whom I put away from before me. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. 
Your throne shall be established forever. In accord with all these words, and in accord with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So you catch what's happened there. David has a desire to build God a temple, build God a, a permanent structure to, to live in. Up until this point, the, the ark of God, which was the physical representation of the presence of God with his people, had lived in a tent, a temporary dwelling. We call it a tabernacle. David has this desire, and God tells him, no, if you, if you, if you want to get blunt, we're not going to go here, but if you want to get blunt, here it's, it's kind of flowery, sort of works around it, but if you go to, to Chronicles, it bluntly tells David not to do it, 1 Chronicles 17, 4, but I, I want to get to David's response here at verse 18. It says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Let's pray to the Lord this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are a great and a good God, that you are a great and a good God who, who, who called us to yourself. You are a great and a good God who, who has made steadfast promises to us as your people, and one of those promises is that if we would draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So God, today we, we come to you and we do just that. We draw near. Lord, let this not just be a, another Sunday. Let this not just be another time of, of sitting and, and, and trying to stay awake as we hear somebody preach. But God, we desperately need to hear from you this morning. Lord, we want to draw near to you and we want to we know that you are drawing near to us. God, I thank you that you, you are a God who desires to, to be uh, in, in intimate fellowship and relationship with your people. You're, you're not a God who is separate or separated or isolated from your people, but, but you long to be in communion and in relationship with us. So we, we ask that this morning, that you would come and that you would, you would, you would habitate this place, that you would, you, would, you would be in this place and you would speak to your people, that you would deliver your word to our hearts, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Let your word transform, God, the way we think and the way we process and the way we perceive things, but also, God, let it, let it move beyond just an internal thing and let it become an external thing. Let it change the way that we live, that we might be different leaving this place than we came in. Don't let us leave the same way we came in. We need to be transformed, not, not by, by simply uh, some sort of external guidelines, but God, let your word and your grace so penetrate our hearts, so saturate our thinking that we cannot help but be different in our behavior because we are utterly different in our being. Let's put off the old and put on the new that you might be glorified more fully in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Okay, high five somebody and grab a seat. How do you do with denial? 
How, how do you do with being told no? Because I'm gonna be real, I don't do very well at all. I don't like being told no. Uh, I don't enjoy it. I don't find any uh, comfort or peace in it. Um, it, it just, it's just not something that I particularly gravitate toward. Am I alone in the room? I don't do well with denial. I just don't. And, and especially when I, when I come to a passage like this and I, I hear God say no, I, I, what do you, I mean, when God says no, it, it's just, it's sort of this, this, this just sort of bump in an otherwise smooth, nice road. It's a speed bump. I don't like those either. My wife says if I would slow down, they wouldn't be so jarring. I say if it wasn't there, it wouldn't be so jarring. I don't like, I don't like being told no, but as, as you think about really no, and, and this idea of God saying no, as I, as I pondered and meditated upon this and really sort of tried to wrap my mind around this idea of no, I, I did have a thought, and that is even when God says yes, he's really saying no to a lot of stuff. God always says no to more than he says yes to. Have you ever thought of that? What I mean by that, you're going like, preacher, you don't make any sense. When, 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 when God told me, and he did tell me, to marry my wife, that means he told me not to marry anybody else. Hopefully that's not a shock to anybody in the room. You're like, what? No, by, by simply saying, marry her, he said, don't marry anybody else. I'm really glad that nobody's shocked in the room by this revelation of like, we don't think about it that way though, do we? When God says yes to one thing, he is fundamentally saying no to everything else. So we ought not to be all, all that surprised or, or caught off guard when God directs us and guides us and leads us. When God called me, come on, to pastor this church, he called me to pastor this church, not any other church, amen? So this morning, here's what I wanna do. I, I'd, I'd really like, if we could, would you let me pastor you this morning? Because I think, if I'm gonna be honest, if I'm gonna be transparent here, I think it's in hearing no that we struggle the most. What I mean by that is this, it, it, it certainly doesn't sell books, and, and I don't really imagine this morning me talking about God telling you no is really gonna get the church all up on your feet screaming me down while I'm preaching so good. Right, like we're used to hearing messages on like 17 ways to fulfill all of your wildest dreams. Right, like 16 steps to, to getting your blessing from God, positioning yourself with these six things so that God will do what it is that you want him to do. That's kind of what we're used to hearing. It's, it's sort of counterintuitive to be told, what do you do when God says no? But really, that's the place where our faith is stretched. I've heard it said before that, that God will pretty much tell you when you ask him something, one of, of three things. He'll either, say, he'll either say no, he'll say whoa, or he'll say go. Right? He either says yes, he either says now, right now, or he just says no. Can I be honest? I don't need you to instruct me on how to respond to God when he tells me yes. When, when you're praying, come on, when you're crying out to God for, for, what, to, what, you know, for, for what you need, for, for your healing, for, your, for, for, for what you believe God's called you to do, and you're asking for provision, and he answers you in the affirmative, there's no like instruction book on how to respond in praise to God. People just do it. We even do it before we're regenerated. We, we even know how to respond in praise. Like your, your team wins the game. Right, like when, when the Seahawks, when they rioted downtown, it was absolutely insane. 
It's just what happens. We, we, we know how to respond when it's, when it's positive, but come on, we, we need a little bit of pastoring, a little bit of shepherding when it goes the other way. When the answer is no. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna try to do my best to sit a lot this morning because if, if you were to come to me and you were to say, okay, pastor, look, well, what do I do when God says no? Let's, let's just pretend like for a moment you've ever heard God tell you no. I know you haven't because God always tells you yes. I heard a preacher once tell me like, God only gives green lights. And I'm like, not in my life. Can we trade lives for a minute? He tells me no all the time. What do we do when God says no? What do we do? I, I'm not really interested this morning in, in preaching a message with a lot of fluff and a lot of frills and a lot of sideways motion. I just, I just wanna get to this point. Okay, God, what do I do when you say no to me? What do I do? Well, first, I think we need to recognize something, and that is this. The, the normative, if you're gonna sit down with me over a beverage, and you were to say, okay, this, like God told me no, help. So the first thing I'd want you to understand is this, that, that the normative in scripture, when you read through the Bible, the normal thing that happens in the Bible when God speaks is it is counter to what your desires are. Let me put it another way. The normal thing for God to say is no. Now, I'm mean, just, just level with you. If you hear from God all the time and all you ever hear is him telling you you can do everything you want to do, you're probably not hearing God. That's probably Chipotle. Okay? The, the normal thing, when, when, when God comes and speaks, it's usually because we want to go this way, and he goes, no, 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 I need you to go that way. So why I say that is this. It's very normal. It's, very, it's, a, it's a normal response when, when God says, no, you start going, maybe my heart's bad. Can I tell you this? In this story, David's heart, come on, was not bad. David desired to do a good thing, and God still said no, which, which can be a really positive thing for us. So when you, when you hear no from God and you go, man, maybe, maybe my heart's really bad, and maybe, maybe this is some kind of judgment on me from God, Sometimes it is, I'm not saying it's not, but a lot of times it's just, no, that's just not what God has for you. Somebody else was gonna build the temple. David, that's, that's not what I called you to do. By calling you to do this, I'm fundamentally telling you, no, that's not what you're called to do. This other thing, it's a good thing. But this also needs to be a warning to us, because how many of us, come on, I'm gonna sit for this, because you you know, we're just gonna be nice. Um, how many of y'all ever heard this? You've never said it, but other people you know have said it. Well, I can do what I'm doing because God judges my heart. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not doing what God tells me to do, but he judges my heart, and my heart's right, so it's all good. We're good, me and Jesus, we're, we're tight. Listen, your heart can be 100% in the right, and you can do a good thing and still be wrong. We just want to close now. We just close. So this is why you're now finding out why people have coffee with me once a lot. <laughs> we should do this again sometime. No, I think I'm good for a while. Okay, see you later. Um, look, yes, you can have a good heart, and yes, God judges your heart, but God still directs your steps. 
God speaks and he expects his children to respond to his voice. That's what Jesus said when he called himself the shepherd. God judges your heart. Doesn't mean you have a bad heart when God tells you no. Doesn't mean your motives are wrong. Doesn't mean that the thing you wanted to do is bad. Look, God wanted to have a temple built. He just wanted Solomon to build it for him. So here's, here's what I want to do. What I want to try to do this morning is pastor us. And so um, as I was sort of trying to think through this and, and, and looking at this text and trying to, trying to chew through it all, I, I started thinking about trying to teach us through this text. And, and as I was thinking about teaching, it made me think about school. Bummer. And, and then I started to be bummed. So I started thinking about what was the class I liked, right? So the only class I liked in school was math. But remember the, a thing I learned in math. See if anybody else learned it. See if you can finish this statement. A negative times a negative equals a? A negative times a negative equals a? So we, we have a Q&A afterwards. If you need to understand why a negative times a negative equals a positive, you can come back there. We can teach you that. But um, it's not really why we're here, but we're willing to help, right? We'll help. Okay. Um, we, can, we can teach you why principally with that. So here's what I started to think. What do, how do I help you know what to do when God says no? That's negative. I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of more things not to do because a negative times a negative equals a positive, right? So I figure if I just tell you a whole bunch of more things not to do, then eventually it'll turn positive. Amen? At least that's the way my brain worked. So here's what we're going to do. What do you do when God says no? Again, I just want to pastor you this morning. If you were hoping for a hoopy hoopy sermon, that's not going to be one of them. It's just going to be down to earth, practical, give you some, some steps to walk out. Can we do that this morning? I'm going to do it either way. You might as well just get on board because you're already here. Okay, so number one, don't let your disappointment distort your view of God. Come on, when God tells you no, when, you, when you've got something in your heart, think about David here. He's, he's all excited. He's like, man, God's blessed me so much and he's done all this for me. And I live in this great house and God lives in a tent. God's homeless. I think I'm gonna build God a, I'm gonna build God a house. That's a good thing to wanna do, is it not? And he gets all excited and, and, and you know that this was not just as simple as David going like flippantly one day like, I think I'm gonna build God a house. I imagine David probably was like working out plans, working out blueprints, trying to figure out how do we take the design of the tabernacle and we turn it into a temple. And he's, I mean, you know he's already thinking about it because he's like, I'm gonna build it out of cedar because I like the way it smells. And, and I'm gonna build this. And he's, he's working down these plans and all of a sudden God comes around and says, no, let's just be blunt for a second. That was disappointing. Imagine David's cleared his schedule to make time to build the temple and God says, no, David, that's not what I have for you. But notice, notice what happens. David, David gets told no, but when we hear David talk about God, his view of God is not distorted. Are you hearing me, church? Don't let your disappointment, your, your, even your discouragement, distort the way you see God. Don't let it mess up your view of him. You need to, I'm, I'm trying to be blunt here, you need to fight distortion. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that I, I mean, and I know this is, a, this is a, a big statement to make, but I believe it, that, you're, that, that probably nothing else in your life is as important as the way you see God. See, if you, if you get told no and you start going, see, God just tells me no all the time, he's just a killjoy, he doesn't want me to have any fun, he doesn't want me to do anything. God comes in, every time I have a good idea, I mean, there's nothing wrong with my idea, and yet God still tells me no. God, I don't know if you realize this, but I have a heart after yours. So I think you judge me by my heart. I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. Don't let it distort your view of God. 
What I mean by that is, well, <laughs> I love you. He's God, you're not. God is a singular, <laughs> okay? He doesn't need another one. He's God, you're not. That means when he says no, I love you, don't argue. Don't try to find the loophole. Am I the only one who does this? Right, like, like my mom would say like, I don't want you, you know, but we'd get in a fight. I'd want to go to a party. She would say no because she knew what was going on at the party. Even though I told her it wasn't what was going on at the party, she knew what was going on at the party. And I'd say no. She, I remember my mom told me, she's like, don't you dare walk out that door. I was like, fine. And I went to my room and slammed the door. And I thought, she said the door. She said nothing about the window. <laughs> and, um, no. Um, and... <laughs> Like, we try to find the loophole with God. We try to find a way around it. Like, God says, don't date that person. Like, well, we don't have to. They will just get married. Um, like, that's not what God's idea was, okay? That's, that's not, that's, don't find the loophole. Don't argue. Don't, don't let it distort your view of God. Because listen to me, God is faithful and God is good. God is faithful and God is good, which leads me beautifully to my next point. Um, don't let it distort your view of God, but don't lose sight of all that God has done for you. Notice that's the first thing God reminds David. God, God tells David, no. David, no, I do not want you to build me a house. You're not the guy. Dave, I've called you to do a lot of stuff. This is one of the things I have not called you to do. And remember, David, I, I picked you. I called you. All that's happened in your life is because of my goodness and my word to you. See, you're, you're gonna be tempted when God tells you no to forget all the good he's done for you. Oh, I know you told me yes, you told me, you know, but you told me no this one time. One of my children, I'm not gonna name who it is because Balenci would be embarrassed, but she, <laughs> I can tell her yes 17 times, but if I tell her no at the end, I have to buy her a pony because she gets really sad. She's really cute. <laughs> pony. Um, I owe her a lot of ponies. I'm not them yet, but I owe her a lot of them. Um, I'm thinking she won't mind if it's just my little ponies. Stickers. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we so easily let one negative delete all the positive. And if I'm gonna be totally transparent with you, I personally believe this is probably one of the number one temptations that believers face. The longer we walk with Jesus, I love you, the more amnesia we get about how we used to live without Jesus. And, what we, and we start to think that God did a good, smart, wise, right thing in saving our sorry little selves. When in reality, God did a foolish thing, the Bible says, in saving us. Am I the only one? Come on. Who, when you tell people who used to know you when, I love bumping into friends that I used to know back in the day. Y'all know what I'm talking about with back in the day? Anybody know what I'm talking about back in the day? Anybody? Am I in the right church? Come on, back in the day, and they go, hey, what are you doing now? And I go, oh, I'm pastor. And without fail, they die laughing. Because they think I'm kidding. And then typically the response, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. They're like, of what kind of church? <laughs> like a Satan church? Because that I like totally, that I, whoop, yep, that's right. 
the, typically it's like, what kind of church? Like a church church? Like, yeah. And they're like, they let you in? Like, yeah, they even asked me to be the pastor. And then usually the conversation's over at that point. I was like, see ya. I'm like, yeah, have a touch card. <laughs> we can forget. We get, we get spiritual amnesia. We, we forget about the life we used to live and all the goodness and all the mercy and all the kindness that God gave us that led us to repentance. Don't forget. Just because God says no, don't forget all the good that he's done for you. This is, this is on a practical level, pastoring you level. This is one of the reasons I encourage believers to journal. I know all the dudes in the room are like, oh, I didn't say diary, I said journal. It's cool, it's masculine. Get a leather one or something. It's all manly looking, with like a bear on the front. I don't know, do whatever you gotta do to make it manly. Get a journal and write down when God, when God does good for you. Keep a list of it. And when he says no, Crack that puppy open and read it. And remember all the good he's done for you. Because he is good and he is faithful. And listen to me, if his good towards you so extravagantly, ridiculously, I'm gonna even say it, scandalously outweighs anything bad that's ever happened in your life, you can't read through that book very long without getting your perspective shifted. Because here's the deal. Anything for any human being, anything for any human being apart from anything instantaneous death and hell right now is winning for us. And when we lose sight of that, it's because we've distorted our view of God and forgotten all the good that he's done for us, that he's done, not that we've earned, but the good that he's done for us. Is this helping anybody? Hope so. Next, don't abandon your passion. So David's, David's, David's got a passion, David's got a heart for the house of God. David establishes the tabernacle, establishes a 24 hour, seven days a week, a worship of God in the tabernacle. Has a heart to build God a house. God tells him no, and where's the first place David goes? The tabernacle, to the presence of God. See, just because God told David no, didn't mean that David's response ought to be to just run away from God and abandon that passion that God had given him. Again, this is why it's important to me that you understand that maybe it wasn't a bad thing. See, God doesn't just say no to bad things. God directs our steps. God leads his people. God knows best. I don't mean God K-N-O-W best. I mean God N-O apostrophe best. He knows, he says no the best. Because when he says no, it is for your good. And so what we, we've gotta realize is God's no to David was not a call to abandon his passion for what he was passionate about. It was simply to tell David, that's not the direction I want you to send your life in. That's not what I've called you to do. But there's a reason maybe why God gave you that passion that's different, come on, than the reason why you thought he gave it to you. David thought God gave him a passion for his presence so that he would build him a house, when in reality, God gave, gave David a passion for his presence to keep David's heart tender before him. And if David would have abandoned that, I'm just gonna tell you right now, my belief is that David would have fallen quickly, quickly, quickly into sin and depravity even more than he does later in the story, which we're gonna get to in the weeks to come. His love for the presence of God 
Don't abandon your passions. What I mean by that, pretty bluntly, is don't throw yourself a pity party. I love you. Maybe I should sit down for this part. Because you love me. Just having coffee. We're just hanging out. Don't, don't throw yourself a pity party. Well, God said no, and I don't get to do what I want to do, and this is horrible. Something bad happens to me. Everything bad does not happen to you. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Okay, whatever happened to you, whatever denial you were given by the Lord is not so outside of the normal realm of human experience that you have any reason to send out invitations and throw yourself a pity party. I love you. Don't lose your passion. Which leads me to the next thing. Don't focus on what you can't do. Don't focus on what you can't do. I said when God says yes to one thing, he's saying no to everything else. Can I tell you that when God says no to one thing, he's saying yes to a lot more. God God creates the garden. And within the garden of Eden, he places Adam and Eve. And within this garden, he, he places the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is Genesis. And he says, don't eat that tree. Trust me to tell you what is right and wrong. Trust me to tell you what to do and what not to do. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And people talk all the time about like, why did God put it there? We can get into that if you ever want to have that conversation. I'm happy to have a conversation. But here's the part that makes me confused. The, the Bible says that Eve was tempted by the serpent, right? And the inference from the story is that Eve was by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And my question is not like, why did God put it there? My question was like, Eve, you have the whole friggin' garden. Why are you hanging out by the one place God said not to eat? But how many of us, come on somebody, God says don't do it and all we do is stare at what he told us not to do. Like Eve, sweetie, you got a whole garden. Go have fun somewhere else. All of the trees, the Bible says, were good to eat. Go have a feast somewhere else. It's like me when I have to go to Golden Corral with my grandparents. I stay far, far away from the salad bar. Why would you go there? Everything else is good to eat. Just go eat, it. just cover everything with gravy. That's the trick, by the way. If you ever have to go to a buffet, just cover everything in gravy. The gravy's delicious. I guess you could try it with a salad if you needed to. Um, I don't know. I've never tried it. I'm just saying. We, we, we fixate. God says don't do this, and all we want to do is like hang out right by there. David, it's amazing. God says, David, you're not the one I have to build my house. Do you know what David does? Continue to read, and David goes and preps everything so that when Solomon comes on the scene, Everything is set up for him to be able to build the temple. David buys the land. David supplies all that is needed. David establishes full peace and, and, and solitude in the, in the nation of Israel so that, so that Solomon can focus on building the house and he doesn't have to worry about all this war and, 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 and doing all this stuff. David focused, okay, God, you said I can't build the house. You know what I can do? I can pay for it. I can prepare everything. I can, I can make everything so that the one that you have called to do it can actually do what he's called to do. See, you wanna focus on what God's told you not to do and what you, real, what you don't realize is that you are limiting other people in what God has called them to do by you just wanna hang around with what God hasn't called you to do. 
find what it is that you are called to do and do that, and I guarantee you, you won't have time to worry about what you're not called to do. Which leads me to my last point this morning. This is not directly in the text, but it's just, just smart. Don't get bitter. If I was gonna, encap- this is really, just fill in all of them. This is, this is really it. This is what I'm trying to stop you from getting. If I was gonna be a preacher, I'd say don't get bitter, be a builder, but that'd be cheesy, so I wouldn't say that. I would never say something like that and don't write it down. Um, don't, don't let your heart get bitter in this. So now, I, I don't think I need to warn any of you, but your life is gonna be filled with no. And if you don't learn how to not get bitter when God says no, then the life that you're gonna live is, is gonna be not as enjoyable as it ought to be. You see, I, I, I believe that it, it is in the testing of our faith that we're built into who God's called us to be. And, and I'm just gonna say it. I know this goes against what maybe you've heard other preachers say. I don't think the testing of your faith is when God tells you to go. I think the testing of your faith happens when God tells you no. I think that's the moment where your faith is tested. I think that's the moment where your faith is tried and put on, on, on the pressures put on in your life. I, I, don't, I didn't put this in my slides, but James chapter one. If you have a, James one verse two. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Look, when God says no, and the pressure's on, and you're going, God, I, I don't know what to do. I, that's when God is trying to work within you the steadfastness you need to be all that God has called you to be. It's in that moment. I know your faith is tested. I know your faith is being, is being pressed. I know it's, it's everything in you. It takes everything in you not to just do it anyways. Do you think that David was not tempted as he was buying the land, as he was stockpiling the, the supplies, as he was, he, he was building up the savings account to pay the laborers? You don't think he was tempted to go, I'm just gonna do it. I mean, my heart's right. God judges my heart. And I got that tattoo across my belly that says only God can judge me. So, I mean, he's only he can judge me I don't really have that tattoo. Or do I? Um, I don't. Um, it's in that moment where the, where the pressure's on and your, your faith is being tested. You say, God, why would you tell me no to something that's good? It, could it be that God's trying to work something in you Could it be that God is trying to position something in your heart that you need so that you can know that you're not lacking in any good thing? I believe we're in a day and in a season, and I don't don't think I have to be prophetic to say this, where we can't afford to not pay attention to when God tells us no. And I don't mean like we specifically, even for us as a church, though I do believe that's very true right now. And I think Ephesians, 
is something we need to saturate ourselves in right now where it tells us to watch our steps. Look, I, I, don't, I think probably most of you are aware of the attack in London last night, early this morning. It, look, we, we live in a world where, where stuff is just coming at us too fast and things are happening in too complicated of a way and too many people are trying to pitch what is happening in the way that they want you to see it. And if, if we get reckless in the way that we walk, and we don't take the time to not just, I love you, not just come up with good ideas, but listen and wait. And I love you, obey. I don't think we can afford it right now. I, I just don't. I, I just, as, as your pastor, I just don't think you can afford to live recklessly right now. There's too much going on. And listen to me. This is important to me that you hear what I'm about to say. Because God has good hidden in this season. I'm not saying it's apparent, okay? Like, please hear me. I'm not somebody standing up here trying to act like everything is just roses and lilies. What I'm saying is God has hidden a purpose in the midst of the problems in the earth right now. God has, has placed within the, the structure of the earth, the ever unfolding reality of his kingdom in the earth as well. And if we're gonna be his people and we are gonna be about what he is doing, we have to listen to him. And I believe personally that that means him telling us no a whole lot more than him telling us yes. Too much is going on and there's too many things being thrown at us for us to just be flippant, for us to just be quick and just can't afford to right now. So you gotta know what to do when God says no. Keep your heart right. Figure out what God is calling you to do. Come on, somebody. Keep, your, keep the passion of your heart burning. Keep the, the, your, your love for him going. Remember his faithfulness and his goodness and keep your eyes fixed on him as God and you're not. Amen? I don't know how much simpler to put it. I warned you. This was a simple one. Stand to our feet. We're gonna to respond to the Lord this morning. This morning as I was praying for this time and this moment specifically, this verse was on my heart. This was uh, the first passage of scripture we taught our kids we had them memorize it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths be not wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and turn away from evil it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones it's never a season I think even more so right now, this is not a season to lean on our own understanding.